everyone this evening. And if you're a guest with us this evening, we're so glad to have you in church with us tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And our hope and prayer is that the presence of the Lord touches you tonight. Those of you that are watching us online, wherever you're watching us from, welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Amen. Would you stand? And let me let me just uh, let me just share one more just kind of testimony. We are continuing to believe and declare our faith that God is and is going to do the unprecedented. And I think there's a number of ways we're already seeing that. But I I just happened this afternoon to just take a look. I don't even know what prompted me to do it. But I I just I keep a spreadsheet um, on my own just of our attendance and just something I can kind of be able to see and and have an idea just to kind of see where we've been and where we are. And and I looked and uh, up to this point, up through the lad now there's one more Sunday in April, but last year April only had four Sundays. And up through the end of April last year, we had had at that point 55 uh, first-time guests in our services, which is it's not bad. But I happened to look today, and through the same period of time, we have had 111 first-time guests in our services this year. I think that's unprecedented. So God is doing it, and I, I, I'm, I'm weary. I've said this, I think, here recently, but I'm weary of it always being about the future and what God's going to do in the future. It's always... So that being said, though, I, I, I'm grateful for what we've seen so far, but I... I don't believe the unprecedented we've seen so far is anywhere near the unprecedented that we're going to see. And again, Brother Wells prophesied that not just somewhere in the future, but he said this year that God was going to do that. And I think we're seeing the the beginning of that. Amen? Praise God. If you would turn to Leviticus, I want to read two different passages as we begin here this evening. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this changed when we just we just upgraded or updated to new software. But I, I, I think those little lines are kind of cool now for when you repeat. Used to it was like two times, three times, whatever. I, but now it's just this cool little line that lets you know. Is that, is that original to somebody here? No? Well, okay, well, whatever. It's still cool. So, yeah. Amen. I, I got something all over my glasses so why don't you greet somebody tell them you're good glad to see them tonight for a second God. Amen. Now I can see and now you've been greeted. So want to read uh, I'm going to read two different passages or from two different passages to Old Testament 
passages. Where's my Bible? I got my iPad. I forgot my Bible. Where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? Just, just the Bible app is just not quite like the Bible. I don't know. It's just my opinion. That's all right. It's okay. Wonder how many of you. My mother referenced this. We. We got done, uh, Jalen and Esther went with me this morning. We got done similar time, so we met all together to eat. And then my mother references. But I, I, I wonder how many of you can quote the books of the Bible in order. I'm afraid we've come so addicted to technology. We can help you out in Sunday school if you Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. (laughs) Leviticus, chapter 19. I'm going to read from verse 9, and then we're going to go to Deuteronomy 24. Leviticus 19 and 9. And when you reap... When you reap, you're going to reap. When you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. And then Deuteronomy chapter 24, beginning with verse number 19. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest thine olive tree, and I know this is a regular occurrence for all of you, when you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest thy grapes, or the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the remember for the and for the widow. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. We have experienced once again in this place this evening. Thank you for another opportunity to worship you, to lift up and exalt the name that's above every name. Thank you for this wonderful chosen youth worship team that has led us into your presence tonight. Thank you for responding to us. I pray, God, that you would now continue to minister through your word, that you would speak. Father, I pray that our hearts would be good ground for the seed of your word tonight, that the seed would produce in our lives what you desire. Lord, I trust you tonight. I depend on you and acknowledge once again that without you, I can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Barnes Node says that the poor references the Israelite and the stranger is properly the foreigner who could possess no land of his own in the land of Israel. It's interesting in all of God's giving of instructions and commandments to the children of Israel in this season. He takes time to establish this principle. I think it's important that you and I remember that the giving of God's commandments to the children of Israel, and again, we always reference Ten Commandments. There were hundreds. I forget the exact number offhand. Somebody know it offhand? 630, 630 something commandments. It wasn't just ten commandments. And, and the interesting thing about those commandments to me is those 600 plus commandments covered every aspect of life. One of them that always just, I, I, I guess I just kind of chuckle over, there is actually a commandment that that basically says if you have a flat roof on your housetop, put a fence around the roof. What in the world? I believe the point of these 600 commandments and them covering every... They covered business, they covered Food, they covered attire, they covered all kinds of things. And the reason I believe that God did that with them is because He was establishing a pattern that for you and I, we we are supposed to allow His Word to govern every area of our lives. There are those that say that God doesn't really care about how you live, what you do, how you dress, how you act. He loves every, he does love everybody. I love my four, when my, my four kids were young, I, I loved all of them dearly, but that didn't stop me from spanking them. In fact, that was the reason I spanked them. The reason I didn't put up with their disobedience and condone their disobedience was because I love them. You tell me we have a heavenly father that doesn't care about what you do and how you act and he's just going to approve of I don't think so. But I but I also find it interesting that the scripture very clearly says that God was giving them these commandments. He wasn't giving them these commandments to live by in the wilderness. He was giving them these commandments so that when they got into the land that He promised them, that at that point they would know how to live. And in the giving of all of those commandments and principles that God was giving them and some things that still apply, and at least in principle to us, is is inserted these passages that I read to you. Where God says that when you you go to reap what you had planted, now obviously understanding that the majority of us, we we got a few gardeners here. I'm not talking just about those of us that like to work in our yards, but 
gardeners. We, we, uh, brother, brother and sister Evans or some, brother and sister Matt Evans or some, that you'll see them come harvest time bringing some good stuff every now and then. No, I'll get blessed with a good old cantaloupe or uh, some nice, ripe, juicy tomatoes and 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 but but most most of us here we we're not really we don't really do that anymore. We do our gardening at Safeway and Lidl or Lidl or however you say it, Food Lion and <laughs> But but again the principles still apply. And to a people that were very familiar with planting and reaping and and that was a part of the way they survived and and in fact that was that was a big part of their economy. God takes the time to tell them, now listen, after you have sown your, your, your crop, after you've sown your vineyards, when it comes time to reap, don't reap everything in your fields. And, and once you've reaped everything and you realize there's still some stuff in the field, don't go back and get it, but leave it. It was a principle that God was establishing. And part of that principle is you and I are not supposed to live in a way where everything in our lives is all about us. There's a song we sing in church sometimes, but there's a song that I think some people sing by themselves at other times. It goes like this. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about me. It's all about me. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things you've made it, because it's all about me. This isn't all about me. This isn't all about you. First and foremost, it's all about Him. But also, it's about you, and it's about others. It's... It's about those that are in Israel and it's about the foreigners that are out of Israel. That everything God blesses me with and everything God provides me with is not for me to consume it all upon myself, but to intentionally let God use me to be a blessing to somebody else. James chapter 4 verse number 1, the scripture says this, From whence come wars and Fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. And then there are those that can say, well, that's not the case because I have asked. So I have asked and I don't have. Well, let's read the next verse. Because in the next verse, James says, or the Spirit of the Lord through James says, You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. And here's why you ask amiss. Because you want to consume it on your own lusts. The Amplified Bible says it this way, Or you do ask God for them, and yet you fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. Your intention is, when you get what you desire, to spend it in sensual pleasures. 
And then the, the contemporary Jewish Bible says it this way. Or you pray and you don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive. That of wanting to indulge your own desires. Don't raise your hand because this is not a trick question, but it would be indicting of you. How many have some things that you've been asking and asking God to do for you and He just has not done them yet? I was, I was riding down the road a couple of days ago and I already had felt this as the direction for this evening and as is the case for me. I, I don't think, I'm not sure if any of my other family members do this and I think sometimes it drives some of them crazy, but I have... 95 1, 91 9, and 107.3 in uh, the first three program buttons of my car radio. And uh, I've got the little buttons on my steering wheel that I can change back and forth. So when one of them goes to commercial, I just switch to the other one. Or if a song comes on and one of the groups that I don't really care for, I just switch to the other one. And a lot of times, unless I'm listening to C.C. Winans, a lot of times I've got the radio play. I don't, I shouldn't say this. I really shouldn't. The fact that I'm telling you I shouldn't really means I shouldn't. The fact that I'm telling you I shouldn't means I really shouldn't go ahead and tell you what I know I shouldn't tell you. Those hosts on those three stations are some of the corniest people in the world. Sorry, that was flesh. I acknowledge it's all flesh. I know none of you ever say stuff you shouldn't say, so I'm sorry. Anyway, and and I was I was riding along, and and this song um, it's by Elevation Worship, and it's. Uh, I forget the title. I think it actually may be Promises or somebody can help. Same God or something. But, but I'm going to just read you part of the first verse. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. And don't, don't, hold on. I'm not about to critique or criticize the song. Nothing wrong with the song. So I'm calling on the, I think, we, have we sung this here? No? Okay. All right. Worship team, my wife especially loves it when we've sung a song and then a preacher gets up and Shredge it to pieces. It's always wonderful, you know. <laughs> I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same for me. And, and, and here's the thing. That's all powerful. That's all great. But 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 as I heard it the other day, as I heard it begun to be sung, the thought crossed my mind, what are, what are you, what am I calling on Him for? And, and why am I calling on the God of Moses? Am I calling on the God of Moses who opened up the ocean that can do the same thing to open up the ocean of debt that I got myself into? Am I, am I calling on the God that got the children of Israel through the Red Sea to get me through some kind of problem I created? 
or some kind of thing that's just going to make my life better. Because I got to thinking about it. Most of those things we reference as the awesome things God did. He was not doing them for the convenience and the benefit of an individual to make their life better. There was a bigger purpose. There was a bigger plan. God wasn't parting the Red Sea for Moses just to provide for little Moses. There was an entire nation of people that God was in the process of delivering from Egypt and so God parted a Red Sea if you're trying to get the God of Moses to do something for you and he's not doing it maybe you're asking amiss you ask but you ask for the wrong reason Daniel, Daniel wasn't spared from the lion's den just for Daniel's sake alone. God was demonstrating something to that king of who the real king was. The three Hebrew children weren't delivered from the fiery furnace just so those three guys were not persecuted and punished by the fire there was something greater because when they got done the king says I thought we threw three men in there but I now see four. You ask, but you ask amiss. Don't, don't, don't raise a hand right now. Again, I'm, I'm not asking trick questions, but I am asking questions that you don't want to answer out loud. How many of you, how many of you have been longing for, God, I need a raise. I want a raise. God, give me a raise. Give me a raise, God. I want a raise. Why? 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 To consume it on yourself? Or is it to say, God, I, I, I want you to put some more in my field so that when I reap what I need, there's going to be some stuff left over for those that are in need that, that don't have it. There's going to be some that can come along and can glean from what, what was mine, but I was able to leave it for somebody else. Have not because you ask not and you don't receive when you do ask because you... Ask amiss in Luke chapter 12, verse number 16. The, the Lord says, he, the scripture says, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I, I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods and I will say to my soul soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years take thine ease eat drink and be merry but God said unto him thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then who shall those things be which thou hast provided so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I wonder had this man decided, you know what, I've got more than I need. My barns are full. I can't put any more in my barns. So rather than tearing down my barns and building bigger barns to hoard more, let me find out who I can bless. 
Let me find out who I can give to. Let, let me empty some space in my barns by blessing somebody. Not create more space by bigger barns, but let me create more space by taking what God has blessed me with and giving it away to somebody else. As is usually the case with a message like this, we put it in the context of money alone. I'm not here tonight. In fact, to be honest, the burden of this message tonight is not first. First and foremost, finances. Does that fit? Absolutely. But that's not the real message. Because some of you got some things besides your money. That there's some people in your life that need you to leave some things behind. Because they need them. God, I got peace, but I sure would like to have some more peace. God, I I thank you for the peace that I have, but you know, it's a crazy world and it's just getting crazier. So God, I, you know, hey, I appreciate the peace for today, but you know, it'd be nice to have some peace in my barn for tomorrow. What about, what about taking that peace God has given you? When you're in the workplace or when you're in the classroom or when you're somewhere and you overhear somebody starting to talk about how much anxiety and fear and worry that they're living with, you say, hey, I I got a little something you can glean from me. I I got a little leftovers that I didn't reap because I I had a feeling somebody else uh, let me pass on some peace that passes all understanding. Let me tell you about a God that's able to bring peace to your mind and, and remove the fear and the torment and the and the depression I think there's a principle when it, we gather together that applies to this it's not we know this, we've already heard this, but let me just in the context of this message as well. We come together, and if we're not careful, we come together. And as much as we all know it's not for us to come together just to receive, it's okay to receive. But we come together a lot of times, and our mentality when we walk into these doors is, God, what are you going to give me tonight? What are you going to do for me tonight? Anybody here tonight willing to acknowledge that there have been some times that you came to church and you were struggling with stuff, you were going through some stuff, you were weighed down from some stuff, and, and the worship team got up and they began to lead in worship, and when you walked in, you didn't, you didn't feel like worshiping, you didn't feel like doing anything. And you just, you just, you had made it, and that was the victory to that point. But all of a sudden, the worship team and others, they began to enter into the presence of God. And as they began to enter in, something began to trickle throughout. And, 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 and in a matter of time, it, it didn't just hit you all of a sudden out of nowhere, but something just began to wash over your mind and something began to wash over your spirit. And all of a sudden, you, you find yourself hands gradually begin to go up and mouth begins to open. And after a few minutes, you are now engaged in that same atmosphere of praise and worship. Why? Because somebody wasn't trying just to consume it all on themselves Solomon I preached about him on Sunday night 
preached basically the whole message about him last Sunday night. He just continues to kind of be intrigued by Solomon. And uh, he, he says in, in Ecclesiastes 2 in verse 1, he says, I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is, is vanity. That word vanity basically means empty. You read through Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and it's a description of all of the things that Solomon decided to do or get for himself. One of those verses, in essence, it says, whatever he wanted, he got. He had the means to get whatever he he had the finances he had the resources to get anything he he got it there's not one single soul in this place tonight that you have all of the resources to get anything you might want now i know some of you are so spiritual right now there's nothing you want but for the rest of us carnal folks but not solomon anything of course he kind of had a sort of a double-edged sword because not only did he have the resources to get it, to buy it, but he was also the king. So he could just take it if he wanted. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And again, obviously it's not in the same context of what you and I would be interested in today. But if you just kind of try to think of it in terms of 2023 and and what it might look like in this world he spared no expense preached it last Sunday night he spent seven years building God's house but then he spends 13 years building his own house and after getting anything and everything he wants he comes to the conclusion it's all empty You know why I think Solomon came to the conclusion that everything he got was all empty? Because he was simply consuming it upon himself. The reason it was empty is he was just trying to get it all for his own pleasure, his own benefit. I came across an article earlier today. I've never heard of this guy. Some of you may have. You follow the NBA. But a young man named Tyrell Terry retires at 22 years old after two years in the NBA. He said this, Today I decided to let go of the game that has formed a large part of my identity Something that has guided my path since I took my first steps. He goes on to say that intrusive thoughts, waking up nauseous and finding myself struggling to take normal breaths because of the rock that would sit on my chest that seemed to weigh more than I could carry. Terry wrote, this is just a brief description of the anxiety this sport has caused me, and while I'm grateful for every door it has opened for me, I can't continue this fight any longer for something I have fallen out of love with. The thing that since his first steps guided his life 
He's now come to the conclusion very quickly that it's all empty. He's given it all up because it's, it's empty. Because I wonder if there was too much focus on consuming it. On himself. Trying to fill that emptiness and void inside by, by just trying to accumulate more and more. Rather than realizing, you know what, there's, there's some people around me that need to glean. And I, I know there's people out there that take advantage and whatever else. It's crazy all the excuses we come up with to not obey the Word of God. The bottom line is this. My responsibility is that I am not supposed to be looking to consume it all on myself. Whatever it is God is blessing me with, God is doing tangible or intangible. There's some, there's some things that I need to leave behind for some others. I think one of the most powerful examples and, and demonstrations of, of, of the impact that this can have is found in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter number 2. Naomi is returned from Moab and Orpah, her daughter-in-law, or excuse me, Naomi, Orpah stayed. Na- Naomi, daughter-in-law, Ruth, let me slow down. Returns with her, decides that she's going wherever Naomi goes, and so they come back to Bethlehem, and in, in Ruth chapter 2, they come back, they're empty. In fact, they come back and, and people begin to greet Naomi and call her Naomi and she says don't call me Naomi anymore she says call me Mara because God hath dealt with me bitterly she says I went out full but I came back empty and so it's in that emptiness that we find the context of these verses in Ruth chapter 2 verse number 1 and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's Basically, he was an in-law of hers. A mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, and who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Who is she? How you doing? (laughs) Oh, I know the King James said, Who is this damsel? You read the rest of the story. Boaz was like, "Mm, somebody tell me about her. She's there gleaning. She doesn't have the money to purchase anything. They have nothing. But God had put in to motion this principle. When you reap, 
leave stuff behind. And it's also leave it behind so that those that come to reap it, they're not stealing. It was intentionally left for the poor and the the stranger, the fatherless. And so this this is the setting in which Ruth is introduced to Boaz, but then in in verse number fifteen, when she saw when he when she when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, "Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not." So, so now what Boaz is saying is. Um, I know you've already left some stuff to be cleaned. But I want you to leave some more. That was was in essence supposed to be unintentionally left, even though it was supposed to be left. But now he's saying, I want you to to just kind of drop some along the way. I need you to do something to keep her coming back. Then in verse number 10, I've, I've got, oh, I'm jumping ahead. In verse number 15, sorry. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his, oh, I, I, I'm all over the place. Let me back up. Verse number 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and, thy, and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. You, so there, there's, just, there's some amazing things that are all taking place in this story and in this chapter, and I will, and, and, and some of you already know the outcome, but, but the outcome, it, it It would have never happened had it not been for this. If it hadn't have been for Ruth who decided not only not to stay in her home, but she she decided to leave home and go with Naomi to a foreign place with people that were not her people and a God that was not her God. If she had not decided to do that, and if she had not decided when they came back to Bethlehem that she was going to do whatever she could to help take care of Naomi, She didn't just sit around and say, well, you know, you're the one that brought us back here. What are you going to do? This is your home, not my... No, she initiated going out. She she apparently knew the law of, of reaping the gleanings. And so rather than sitting around feeling sorry for herself, she decides to try to help Naomi and help herself through that. And then verse 15, when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and let some fall as a handful. So, so, so verse 15 and 16, they are the response that Boaz now recognizes what Ruth is doing. She's not just out here gleaning and, and, and gathering the gleanings for her own self. She's actually first and foremost doing it for somebody else.
But if Boaz had not have been willing to leave some stuff behind, Ruth would have never come to get gleanings from his field. Perhaps she would have went to somebody else's field. But because Boaz decided to follow the laws that God had established and not hoard everything and not just build bigger barns, but he decided to leave something for somebody else, it caused him to cross paths with Ruth. And the rest of the story is Ruth and Boaz get married. And they have a kid. But it turns out to not just be any kid. If I remember correctly, they are the grandparents or great-grandparents, one or the other, of a guy by the name of David. Because if I'm not mistaken, Boaz and Ruth had Jesse. Is that right? Obed, Obed had Jesse. Jesse had Dave. Thank you. Some of y'all were like, no, brother, right, that's not quite right, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Ruth and Boaz had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. And a little further down the line, there was another man called Jesus. It all started because somebody was willing to say, you know what? I got a field that I could reap everything from it and keep it all to myself. But I'm going to leave some for somebody else. And that put Boaz in position to get to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. But it was also Ruth that was not just sitting around feeling sorry for herself that also got herself into position. All because there was some there was some stuff that was being left for somebody else that had that had need of it. I believe your prayers and my prayers are creating some harvests that we need to make up our minds. I, I don't want to reap it all for me. I want to leave some stuff behind. I, I want there to be some gleanings that somebody else that's a little less fortunate that they can come along and reap some things that they have need of. Isaiah 55 and verse 10 says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give... What? That it may give what? Seed to the sower... And, and bread to the eater. I told you this isn't first and foremost about finances, but it does apply. So let's just touch on finances for a moment. The finances that God allows you to have, you need to understand that everything God puts in your hand, it's supposed to be twofold, seed and bread. It's not for you to consume it all upon yourself. 
you're supposed to take some of it and make it seed. I know, go read the internet if you don't like what I'm about to say because there's plenty of people out there that are going to tell you much different than what I'm about to say but I don't really care because my source is the Bible, it's not people's opinion but I'm going to tell you, I don't think your tithe is your seed Tithe is a demonstration of obedience I don't give my tithe as my seed. I give my tithe as an expression of my obedience that everything that I have belongs to you. So I'm going to give you the first tenth as a sign to say it's yours. But then above and beyond that, I'm going to sow some seed. Anybody that hadn't been reaping anything, don't raise your hands. This is probably a no hand raising to questions message. Anybody hadn't been reaping anything lately, you might want to go check the seed. Or anybody just been reaping a little bit, you might want to go check how much you sow. Because according to whatever you want to reap, you have to sow. And if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow abundantly, you're going to reap abundantly. I'm going to say this again that I know others don't necessarily agree with. I realize if you plant cucumber seeds, you are going to get cucumbers. If you plant tomato seeds, you're going to get tomatoes. If if you plant orange seeds, you're going to get oranges. I understand that in nature, only thing you reap is what you sowed. But I believe when it comes to the kingdom, there are some things that we reap sometimes that is not the exact thing we sowed. And I think sometimes that's the case with our money. I'm going to sow my money, but if I can have a house of peace, if I can have a home where we get along, if I can have a, a, a marriage that is strong and healthy, you know what, God? I'm okay if you don't just give me back money for the money I give. If, if I have a family that loves one another and gets along well, and, and, and I, 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 you don't have to give me back. So I'll take some blessings, some reaping in some other areas that may not be the seed I sowed. I sowed and I didn't get anything back. Why'd you sow? Did you sow simply so you can consume it on yourself? Or were you sowing because, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some bread to eat at some point, so I need something to harvest. But I also know there's some people around me. You know, the New Testament church took this thing, this gleaning thing to a whole different level. They didn't just leave the gleanings. They went out and sold what they had and brought everything they made and laid it at the apostles' feet. Except for the one couple that was too worried about appearances but really weren't submitting. Ananias comes in. here's, Here's the money. We sold property and here's all the profit. You better be careful when you lie to a prophet about profit. He falls over dead. Next lesson is, I don't care if they are your spouse, you better be careful about going into conspiracy, lying to God with your spouse. I 
I bet you that, I guess she couldn't have regretted it. She didn't know it, but I bet if she could have thought about it, she'd have wished she'd have been there at first when he said something. Because I guarantee you if Ananias had said this is all of the prophet we have and he fell over dead, he, she would have said, he lied. <laughs> That's only part of it. But unfortunately she wasn't there and they had made an agreement. You think it would have crossed her mind to think, where's my husband? She comes all hopping in there. Guess what? We sold and, and, and we just gave you everything. I don't think, I don't know if, I don't remember if Ananias got a warning, but at least she got a warning. All of about five seconds. Uh, the men that just carried your dead husband out of here, they're on their way right now to uh, carry your dead body out of here because you lied to the Holy Ghost. But that new church, that New Testament church, it said they had all things in common. You know what? I, I believe that if we are willing to be the conduit that God intends us to be, there's going to be enough for what we need, but also to leave some gleanings for others in our lives may not have the ability to provide their own needs. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up you, upon you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. You know what, I've read that verse, especially verse 10, numerous times in my life. I, I don't know about you, but, but my natural mind says, well, I ain't never received so much blessing I didn't have room. I mean, I'm like, God, I got some more room. But you know, I just, I just had a thought occur to me as I was reading that. Maybe, that's, maybe some of that blessing is eternal blessing. Because you may not have enough room to contain it right now. But you got an eternity to experience blessing and, and, and blessing that doesn't decay and Blessing that doesn't fade away. Not, not blessing that is susceptible to moth and rust. Blessing that lasts and endures. I know uh, my, my daughters and sons are used to this. I guess the sons-in-law are having to learn to get used to this, but it's my understanding. Jalen shared their testimony a couple weeks ago about the place God provided for them. And it's my understanding that one of the biggest desires and reasons they wanted to get a different place wasn't just because they wanted more living space and more room for themselves. It was directly connected to ministry. tell you something folks this thing works 
But you've got to have the right priorities. And oh, by the way, you can't trick God. I think sometimes we all, maybe you haven't, but I think sometimes we've all sowed with kind of a wink. Yeah. God, I need you to bless me because I want to be a blessing to others. Knowing that we were just trying to use some kind of way to get what we wanted. God sees right through it. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. When you can buy the... I I was thinking about this the other day. I, I regularly... It feels like to me through the years and through some of the meetings we had here in the past, when back in the days when it was called Meet or Manifest, it seemed to me like one of the one of the themes that you would hear throughout a lot of those meetings had to do with motive. Motive is is one of the most important elements in your life. Because God is very interested. In fact, I I, I don't want to make this as a concrete statement because I'd rather have a little time to really think it through and study it out. But I almost think God's more interested in your motives than He is your actions. I, I almost think God's more concerned with your motives than He is with your actions. Because you can, you can make mistakes. You can stumble and fall. And yet have a right motive in what you're doing. And God's going to respond to the motive. I, I decided, I don't know how old the oldest was at the time, but I decided... I wanted, especially as my kids were in, entering in their teen years, I decided I, I wanted to discipline not just based on actions. But I wanted to find out what, the, what was going on behind the actions. Because I personally think the majority of the time, Teenagers that are doing the wrong things, it's not, it's, just, it's not just simply rebellion. I challenge you parents tonight, if you're just writing everything off your kids do wrong as rebellion, you are not going to properly handle them and deal with them. And the problem is, if it's not really rebellion, it's just the symptoms of something else deeper going on. But all you do is just keep spanking and spanking or grounding and grounding. You're not solving anything. But if you find out the actions are the result of some difficulties, wounds, cry for help. I'm not saying that means you never discipline but I do think the punishment varies based on the motive. And I think I learned that from my Heavenly Father. 
Because if he always responded to my actions alone, I wouldn't be holding this mic tonight. In fact, I probably wouldn't be here, but neither would any of you. Thankfully, he does not respond to our actions alone. That doesn't mean I'm not excusing our actions. I'm not excusing sin. But he looks at the heart. And if you and I can, by the help of the Lord, strive to have as pure of motives as is possible, and the thing that I was thinking about the other day was the fact that I'm not sure if in this life we can ever achieve 100% pure motives. Because in our humanity, there's always this chance of something that's self-serving in our motives. It, it, it may be very minimal, but still, but it's, it's kind of like something I taught several months ago now, but in this context, it's, it, it's more about, I think, the direction that we're going than the position we're in. Meaning, I may have some impure motives, there may be some elements of my motives that are not quite right, but if I am striving to become pure, if I am striving to allow His Spirit to search me and cleanse me, He acknowledges that as well. What's, what is it you've been... Are you calling on the God of Moses to open some seas for you? To open some oceans for you just to make life a little better for you? Are you calling on the God of Jacob who keeps covenant to keep covenant with you because there's just some things you'd like him to do to, to make this life a little more enjoyable? Or can you say that you're striving for God to bless your field, to bless your harvest? Because, yeah, you're going you're to reap some things. And, and going back there, I, I, we, we've tried, I believe that a, a huge part of the motive for my wife and I in so many things has been the especially the places we've lived to, to provide better ministry opportunities and, and more things that we can do for the kingdom. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you there wasn't some fleshly desires in there as well. But Jesus said it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. The blessing of being the conduit that as God flows through you and supplies things through you, there's, there's some things that get left behind. There's some things that get left over that you're able to reap the benefits and the, and the blessings of. He's faithful. He's faithful. You keep His word. You pursue keeping His promises. He's faithful to His Word. Last, last week, we, we, we had the, the adjuster finally was able to come to our house. The tree, if you hadn't heard, those of you may not, we had a tree fall on our dining room several weeks ago. And 
and it took the adjuster two weeks from the time it happened to get to, to come out. They were so backed up from all the other stuff going on, and, and, he, and he comes out, and, and um, there, there's, uh, uh, there, there was some damage done to our backyard. There's, there's one spot where there's a, there's a, I don't know if there's a, another word to use in this, but there's a ditch that, that if I step in it, it comes almost all the way up to my knee that the tree put in the ground, snapped a four-by-four post that was laying down and put that. And and my our insurance, we had chairs. I had a I had a new smoker that I had bought a couple of months ago. All all those things the insurance is going to take care of. The personal property that was lost, but there's a bunch of damage done to my backyard, and I've done most of that work myself. Enjoy it, but I thought surely I'm gonna get some money from the insurance. guy came out and we had some plants that were crushed we had some other shrubbery that was damaged and I'm thinking surely we're going to get money to replace those things he says "Uh, I'm sorry we cover those things for vandalism but not for trees falling I, I I don't have the money for all that stuff And and that was a Monday, and then Wednesday there was some other stuff, and I hit this, man, I hit this perfect storm. There was personal stuff, and then stuff was coming up, needs here, and and it was like, you know, thankfully sometimes there's something going on here that's pressing and everything's okay at home, and then sometimes things at home are a little tight and rough, but thank God everything here is good, but man, that day I'm thinking about all that, and my wife gets in the car, and she told me about something we're trying to do here, and we need this amount of money, and I'm thinking about that four-year. We're also trying to do some stuff out back. I told a couple people last week, I really, I'm not going to do this, but I told a couple people last week, I'm going to go start playing the lottery, and I'm going to win some money. That way, we can just do all the things we wanted. I don't mean to consume it on myself. I just mean I'm tired of this. I know y'all never think that kind of stuff. I told the I told the Lord years ago. I thought this was a really sweet deal. You know, Lord, if you let me win like that that mega millions or something, I tell you what. Here's the deal. I'll keep the ten percent. You can have the ninety. That's a pretty good deal. I haven't tried it, don't I? <laughs> and, and it just, oh my goodness, it was, it was a rough night. I had my life course, I got home, I walked in the house, and if nobody else in the world knows it, there's a difference between quiet and quiet. And sometimes that drives me crazy, because my wife recognizes there's a, there's a quiet because I'm I'm not in a good place. I'm like, it's not fair. I'm, I'm quiet all the time. You shouldn't know that I'm quiet for. And she didn't. She didn't really. She wasn't really aware of all these different things that were just colliding. But 
I, I got in the car, I think that was Tuesday. I got in the car Wednesday morning to go. And I, I don't I, I don't know, maybe you don't believe God does it this way, but I believe he does, and I'm experiencing it more and more. I got in the car and guess what was on? One of those radio stations. And as I turned the car up, or turned the car on, and unfortunately, I usually don't forget when I pull in the driveway to turn the volume down for when I get in the car. So it's always quite shocking. I like my music loud. <laughs> but as I turned the car on, it was saying, You are Jireh. I will be content in every circumstance because you are Jireh. If you don't know what Jireh means, it means provider. That afternoon, I was talking to uh, Jacob. Uh, I think we were talking more as pastor saint, not father-in-law, son-in-law. We were talking about some things and future and whatever. And, and, and it was the same day, and I go get in the car and I turn it on, and I forget which one it is. There's a couple of them out there right now, but I turn it on, and it's one of those songs about faithfulness and God providing. I'm like, okay, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And I, he may not speak to you in a song, but I think he can speak in a song. If he can't speak in a song, then you need to take Psalms out of your Bible because it's a whole book of songs. That one we like to go to all the time, the Lord is my shepherd, it's a song. And guess what? Actually today, I'll be at least that vicinity. Unexpectedly, Brother Barr, God provided some funds that I had no idea were coming to be able to do stuff in my backyard that I didn't have the money to do. You know why I believe that's the case? I haven't done it perfectly because nobody has, but I've tried to live a life that I don't want to consume it all on myself. I want to leave some things for somebody else that's coming behind. There's some people out there that they don't have what they need. They don't have the resources. And I'm not talking financially right now. I'm talking more intangible things. That, that they're in need of some people that have sown some things. And they have reaped some things of what they have sown. But they've also left some things behind. That others can come along and reap. Is there? I'm not. Ta- don't I don't want your spiritual. Exi- I don't want your spiritual answer right now. I want your natural, carnal man answer. Okay. <laughs> is there anybody here tonight that is not a little bit at least concerned about the condition of our economy and what's happening and what's going? So, may any anybody that you you're not concerned at all. I'm not talking about the spiritual man. I know God is in control. My God shall supply all of my... I know all of that and we need to be all. I get that. Let's Let's just be real for a moment. I got... I got on this email. 
I get list. I don't have got on. I get it every day, and it's and, and a part of it. They send out some advertisements, and the one I got, I got a day or two ago. I, I, I you know, at first I'm feeling this sense of compassion because they are telling me that you know I I ought to be buying some food to stock up because we don't know what the future, and I I ought to be buying some food that that would last for three years if need be. Well, you know, I got a wife. I got I got two kids at home. I got daughters, sons-in-laws, grandbaby on the way. Yeah. You know, it may, maybe, maybe some, you know, maybe. And I, I really wasn't necessarily considering it, but out of curiosity, I'm like, let me, let me read a little bit more about this. And I click on the link, and then there's this bullet list of some very, you know, some, you know, points trying to sell you and then then I get down to the kind of inserted in the next the last line of of that bullish list is they have a no interest payment plan I never saw a price all I know is when I saw that no interest payment plan I knew I wasn't getting what they had for like 80 bucks or something offering me a no interest payment plan is probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I don't know about you, but I don't have that laying around. But it, my flesh, it's just, just I'm, I'm almost done. I, I'm, I haven't preached a whole lot lately, and I'm not preaching next Sunday night, so just bear with me for another moment. It's just, it's just, it's hard to beat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on a Sunday night. I, I, I would take that over a Ruth's Chris steak, and I love Ruth's Chris steak whenever I get a gift card. <laughs> I, I, I walked in. I, it's not the first time, but last Sunday night, my wife, what do you want? Most of the time she asks that question on Sunday night, what do you want? And I just say, what do you think? Like, she doesn't feel quite the same way about it as I do. Numerous times now, but last Sunday night I walked into Safeway. It's a little bit unsettling walking into Safeway in Arnold, Maryland. Walking down the aisle to the bread. And seeing shelves half to two-thirds empty. And then only to finally get a loaf of bread, take it home, and it's not even fresh. I don't know if that I don't know if you're troubled by some of that or not, but the bottom line is this from a natural perspective, without Jesus, you ought to be troubled. You ought to be getting no interest payment on food for the next three years. That's, that's the natural man. How are you and I going to get through all of that, whatever happens? How are we going to manage to feed families if? I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know. I, I got enough to worry about for tomorrow. I got enough stuff to figure out for today. And Jesus actually said that. Why are you worrying about tomorrow? 
you never heard it or read it, you ought to read a few other translations. They're so encouraging and uplifting. He said, why are you worried about tomorrow? Tomorrow's going to have its own whole set of troubles. Don't worry about tomorrow. You think today's bad? There's more coming tomorrow. So how are you and I going to get through whatever might come tomorrow? It's not going to be by building bigger barns and consuming more and preparing more for our own selves. You know how it's going to be? It's going to be sowing. It's going to be sowing. It's going to be planting seed. I'm not talking about in your garden. If you want to do that, great. I'm talking about spiritual seed. Because there are some laws that if those laws don't hold true, then God can't be God. But because He's God, those laws are true. you to, I I don't know, we we may do more than this in a moment, I don't know, but just for right now, I want you just to, just right where you are, if you feel individually to do more, you're welcome to, but but as far as an invitation and whatever, we, I just, I just want to ask you for right now, right where you're sitting, would, would you just take a moment and just kind of let the Spirit of the Lord help you to do a little bit of an evaluation, you have you been reaping your fields? Have you been reaping your vineyards? Have you been have you been gathering in every possible bit of what is available in your field to consume it, to have it for yourself? Or are you acknowledging that there are things that God is blessing you with and providing you with that It's intended to have some things left behind that others can glean. Are you like Tyrell, Tyler, I think it was? You living for a natural dream, Tyrell Terry, living to pursue a natural dream that you may not achieve it, but then there's the chance you may achieve it only to find out like Solomon that it's, it's all just emptiness. Are you, are you living to be a container or are you living to be a conduit? Are you living to consume and store whatever blessings, whatever things God provides you? Are you living... be something, someone God can let things flow through. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's a promise you can count on and that is seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. We seem to be in a season right now of young families, families with small children and 
families with multiple children trying to figure out the future, trying to figure out how you're going to provide. I'm preaching to you the answer tonight. Don't consume it all on yourself. Don't just build bigger barns to hold more stuff. Be a conduit. Be a conduit. Be a conduit that God can let things flow through. That yes, you will reap the benefits and the blessings. You will reap from it. But you won't consume all of it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. I need some words or I need some help or probably both. make that prayer if you're willing to make that your offering tonight God I'm withholding nothing I surrender all oh everything everything my time my talents my abilities my resources my finances where I live what I have all of it God I'm withholding nothing Withholding nothing. Lord, you're the one that gave it anyways. You're the provider of it anyways. I surrender. Oh, I surrender all. Come on, some of you are trying to figure some things out for the future. You need to do that. You have a responsibility to do that. There. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you'll just make this your prayer, you can learn to live this. I can tell you tonight from experience, God's going to make a way. God will open doors where there doesn't even seem to be a door. God will do things where there's not even an explanation for how it happened. I wasn't planning to do this, but I just, I feel to go a step beyond this. I feel like there's some of you right now, it's, it's what you're doing is fine where you are, but you just need to take it one more step. You just need to make the walk down to this altar as a, as a demonstration of what you're singing. As an outward sign of what you're singing. 
Oh, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to consume it all on myself, God. Oh, come on, I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping through this place right now. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost responding. We, we've heard about the altar several weeks ago. We heard about the sacrifice on the altar. I feel the Spirit of the Lord responding to that offering right now. God, I'm not going to fret and worry over it and keep it all to myself. I'm releasing it to you, God. I release it to you, God. I'm not the source. I'm not the provider anyway. It's you, God. Lord, you can take five loaves and two fishes and multiply and defeat thousands. You can take five loaves and two fishes and feed thousands to the point they're full and there's even leftovers to be gathered up. What I have to give may seem so small. What I have to give may seem insignificant, but you can bless it. You can multiply it. You can use it in ways above and beyond what I've ever thought possible. sacrifice wholly acceptable unto you as my reasonable service I present myself as a sacrifice not keeping anything back not holding anything back I give you all I give you all of me Everything, everything I give, it's not mine, it belongs to you. As Job said, we say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether you're giving or whether you're taking, blessed be the name of the Lord.
I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all of me. I give you all of me. Lord, you can do a lot with a little. about what I have to give. It's not about how much I have. It's just about giving it. It's about releasing it to you to do with it as you desire. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Icarabasando Robocose. you need to go, you can go, but we're not done. The Holy Ghost isn't done. When the Holy Ghost isn't done yet, Give myself away. 